Crusaders and welcome to another edition of Batman, the animated series podcast. I'm your host, Alex Robson, and with me as always is my co-host, my brother, comic book artist and writer, and the guy you can't touch because you don't know where he's been, it's Mr. Will Robson. Say hello, Will. Hello, everybody. It's me, your favorite host of the show, Will Robson, and my brother. (laughs) 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 Okay, uh, Mr. Favorite, how's the art life going? Well, we are currently sitting at 121% funded on my Kickstarter, which is fucking awesome. Thank you so much, everybody who's backed it so far. I cannot thank you enough, but it's not over yet, baby. It is not over yet. We still got like two or three weeks to go left in the campaign. And I'm really trying to get to, to that 6K goal. We're like at about 4,250 right now ish so another thousand seven hundred fifty and then i can take october to just work on my own comic which would be amazing i don't need to answer to these big corporations to draw their characters no 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 none of that i can work on my own stuff so that would be absolutely incredible so please if you enjoy this show if you enjoy the silly antics that i get up to with my brother and if i've ever made you chuckle then toss me a fucking buck, baby. And it could be as simple as a buck. Like, it doesn't have to buy the whole bloody thing. A quid goes a long way. So head to my Kickstarter, Outbreaks. It's a fun little zombie comic that's kind of like Black Mirror meets The Walking Dead, where I take a bunch of different stories, uh, which all have different genres, but a zombie twist. And I think you'll very much like it. If you enjoy my humor, if you enjoy the spooky season, I think it'll be right up your alley. So please help me out and support this book the link is in the description of this show that's right you're getting real good at this i'm just sitting there and i'm like i don't have to add anything he's covering all the bases well, I've, well, I've been on a podcast tour baby so i'm getting used to plugging it you have you've been whoring your voice out to every podcast that'll accept yes, it i'm getting a bit hoarse with all this whoring <laughs> what's your favorite podcast to do uh none <laughs> <laughs> my favorite podcast is chatting to my wife I would love to listen to a podcast with you and your wife, to be fair. I think that would be jokes. Although We're there's good. so many inside jokes that people would be like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a very special guest today. We have Mr. Alan Burnett back on the show. And this time he's back to talk about Mask of the Phantasm. As he is the writer and he conceived the story for this film, I thought it would be perfect to have him back. So... Buddy, I know you couldn't make this interview, but are you ready to hear me chat with Alan Burnett about Mask of the Phantasm? Yes, let's hear this show, baby. So, Alan, I'm so excited to have you back today as Mask of the Phantasm has just been released in 4K. And I thought there's no one better to talk to about this film than the guy who conceived the story for it and co-wrote it. So, Alan Burnett, welcome back to Batman the Animated Series podcast. I'm happy to be here. I may ask you, what is 4K? Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, uh, that's fine. I'm happy to answer that. So 4K is basically four times the amount of pixels on your screen per, I forget the exact measurement, but essentially it's the highest resolution possible for your home entertainment system. Well, I guess I'll have to get uh, a new copy of it then. So. I feel like Warner Brothers should be sending you a new copy, man. They should be sending you every time. Yeah. But anyway, welcome back to the show. 
to start with, I just wanted to remind you that Mask of the Phantasm is considered by many to be the greatest Batman film ever made. Um, it's actually about Bruce Wayne and Batman, and that's why I think it really holds up. It's not just about his rogues gallery or an origin story for a villain. It's about the man behind the mask. So when you hear people say that to you, what are some of the memories that instantly pop into your head about the making of this movie? Well, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make a movie about Bruce Wayne and uh, tell the, tell the origin. We hadn't we we hadn't done that in the uh, series, and we didn't have a uh, he, he didn't have a love life in the series, and we never really dealt with the origin in the series. So we decided to 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 hit all those points when we did the movie, and uh, and we ended up also showing the origin of Joker in a way. So yeah. fans really liked it and still like it. And it's because of the fans that it still has something of a life that um, it hasn't it hasn't really gone away. So I'm very happy about that. Absolutely. Like I said, it's considered by many, many people to be uh, one of the best. In fact, when it came out, I think um, I think it's Cisco and Ebert were amazed at how good an animated Batman film was. And they actually rated it higher than Batman Returns, which was the last Batman film out, you know, before this one came out. And one of the one of my sad points early on in the film is that they didn't review it when it came out as a movie. And uh, and it was not it didn't get great reviews. I mean, it just it got a widespread of reviews. It's actually uh, people seem to like it more now than they did then. It, a year went by and um, and I was back to my usual life without the movie and uh, making series and stuff. And I got a call. I was on vacation, I think. And I got a call from my boss. She was very excited. She said, Siskel and Ebert reviewed your movie. And they loved it. And I said, you got to be kidding. And the the uh, the reason why they reviewed it is because it just came out in in uh, as a video, as a home mm -hmm. video. And so uh, and they occasionally did home video reviews. And I remember Siskel saying we should have reviewed this when it came out because it's terrific. And and Eber liked it. And it was just really thrilling to hear them talk about the movie. I can't tell you. It was like the. You know, all the bad reviews that that the movie may have gotten in the past just went away because these two were uh, were uh, praising it. And uh, and it seems to me that that was like a turning point in my head, at least, of the critical acceptance of the movie when they did it, when they did their review. So. Um, so anyways, that's that story. Well, that's that's really interesting because that's that's a good point that I, I haven't even thought of. When this film came out, I know that it was only in a few select theaters around America and it only had a short run. And then it basically like disappeared and then went to, to home video, as you said, however, many months afterwards. And that's where it developed that huge cult following that it has, you know, and how many fans have watched this and how many people have shared it with other people. And it's just grown to be this big Batman film. But at the time when it came out, you know, you guys obviously watching the movie, you worked so hard because it looks, you know, like the show on steroids, right? Like it's not the animated series. It's just, it's its own thing, but it exists in that world still. And 
I'm sure it was quite deflating, you know, when you when you finally launched this thing out there and you're like, okay, here we go. And it was on Christmas Day, which I'm sure was probably a very difficult time to release a movie. So when it was first put out there, how were you feeling, you know, when you were kind of going through, uh, were you looking at a lot of reviews? Were you trying to obviously see how it was doing? Yeah, I looked at a lot of reviews. And as, like I say, they were mixed. We were, they would send them to us, the uh, publicity department of Warner Brothers, and they were mixed, and um, and uh, <laughs> some didn't like it at all, as I say. But I went to the theater about four or five times, and uh, I told the theater owner I, I made this thing. I just want to see it with an audience, and that was a thrill. That was a thrill to see it with an audience. It was a lot of fun. I would, would actually be watching them as they were watching the movie. So. Um, but that's very, was, that's very you know, Hitchcock of you, Alan. Very Hitchcock to do that. He, uh, they treated it like a uh, sort of a kiddie film, actually. In the Los Angeles at the time, it only played matinees. It didn't play the evenings. And it was out there for uh, just for, for about a, a, a week, and then it was gone. And, uh, and yeah, and it was gone. But it, it's, it's lived on, as I say. You know, one of the joys is uh, uh, lately was uh, reading an interview with uh, Robert Pattinson, who plays Batman and the Batman, the, the movie that was uh, out. And he he also uh, praised the film as uh, an example of, and, the, and he called it the only example in uh, being Batman was a curse for Bruce Wayne. It was a it was a real burden, and and movies don't show that. But he, he, he latched on to that in his performance, apparently. And uh, I, w I was happy to hear that uh, Pattinson had seen the movie. It's just, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just nice. It's just nice Absolutely. to read. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Bat Batman now praising your Batman then. You know, it's, it's amazing. And yeah. it just goes to show, like I said, that this film has just built up such a huge following. And it will continue to live on as, you know, one of the prime examples of, like, this is how you can do a Batman movie. Because the thing with this film that I love the most, as you said, Batman, you know, it, his, it's a burden. It's a curse to be Batman. He, he made a vow and he's obligated to his parents. And... Just going through the the films, this was the first film to show that you know ever on the big screen. We we never had that. Even with television shows, we never had that. We had we had some clips of him losing his parents, but we never saw the journey of the struggle of I have to do this because if I don't, I'm letting them down. And I think that's what really stands out to me. I mean, Kevin Conroy in this is just unbelievable. Uh, his his performance in this, in, in my opinion, is the best performance of his career as Batman and Bruce Wayne. The scene where he's begging with his parents' grave to like release him from this vow is is amazing. I mean, every time I see it, I, I I get chills, I well up. You know, it's an incredible performance, and it's a voice performance. You know, he can't even rely on his body language. Yes, yeah, you're right. And that particular page, I may have mentioned this in the last in the last uh, time we talked, but that particular page of that script was the only page left untouched. It was, it never changed colors uh, as they do when they, when they revise pages in the script, that uh, speech was, um, was so perfect. It just, it stayed forever. And it was uh, largely written by uh, Marty Pasco. When we did the script, uh, I, I intended to write the whole thing. And it just, there just wasn't time but I wrote a pretty complete and detailed outline 
so that I could divide it up among my story editors and they could all write a piece of it. And Marty got that section of the uh, cemetery scene and some of that flashback. And Paul Dini, of course, uh, got the, the, the Joker's introduction section. He, he's, he's our Joker guy. And uh, Reeves uh, did the last act of it with the last battle between Batman and Joker. So, but that particular page, that never changed. Not one word of it ever changed. Yeah, it's and, perfect. Uh, yeah. It's, and his performance is great. He had, as I've written, he's, he has a powerful voice, but it's a voice of uh, uh, unusual warmth. I mean, you can feel the warmth of, of this man in, uh, in, in the performance. Yeah, it was wonderful. There's so much uh, weight to it. It's, it's brilliant. Um, yeah. So, and then in that scene, obviously, Andrea uh, shows up and says, you know, maybe they sent me. And that leads me to my next question, which is, why did you decide on a love story for this film? You know, where did that come from and what influenced that? Well, we hadn't done one. And... Uh... It was time to do it. And, you know, you have a movie. Uh, you might as well um, get into the emotions of a person. And that's that's the reason for the love story. My daughter's name is Andrea. Andrea, actually, we call her. But she we, she ended up being called Andrea in the in the movie. And it was just a, it was just something to, a, a different approach to Batman that we had been taking. And like I said, we wanted to show the uh, origin, but we wanted to show it in a, a, a way that was different and dramatic and, and show, show that he was not all perfect from the beginning. And it's interesting, you know, in writing a love story, anytime Bruce Wayne gets involved with a woman, he is, you, you, can, t you can feel it when you're writing it. You can, you can just sense it, that he's out, he's out of his comfort zone. And there's something about him that gets um, almost uh, not oafish, but something he's just not natural. He doesn't know quite what to do. This is not the life he was uh, expected to live or wanted to live, at least in the beginning. And he fumbles. He's he's dislocated. And it's happened every time that we've uh, we've put a, a love element into one of his stories. It's interesting to me. He's kind of there's he's kind of a big boy. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that's that's a great point. He even says to Alfred, like, you know, I don't know what to do. What do I do, Alfred? Like this isn't part of the plan, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I think he's so set on what he was supposed to do, you know, from years of traveling the world and training with all different types of martial artists and magicians and scientists, everything he did to bring him to that point. And then uh, Andrea's thrown in at the last minute and it completely throws yeah. him off the track. Um, I, I love that. I think that's great because, you know, he's very calculated, you know, he's the, the greatest d detective in the world, but this is something that he can't, you know, even fathom of like, how do I handle this? And you're right. He's like a bumbling boy, you know, trying to figure it all out. Well, and you know, Batman, we must never forget this, that Batman is a real, it's a juvenile dream. It's, it's a, it's a character that began with kids and there's still that element to him and no matter how serious they make him in the comic books there is still that element that he is a he is a, a juvenile fantasy so mm. yeah and also he's trapped in that moment as a kid you know who lost his parents that he's always going to be that kid um so were there any first or second draft ideas that ultimately didn't make it into the movie when you were crafting well, the story you know i uh, 
there was we we did a there was talk about doing some uh, there was an episode we did in the series which was called the trial where Batman got captured by his rogues gallery and they put him on trial at Arkham and there was talk about doing that I never I never was interested in that. And because I always felt it was it was just it was another rogues gallery story and it wasn't getting deep into Bruce. And and so that ended up being put on the side. And then I went with this. I mean, there was not there was there was really there was really no uh, there was no list of um, ideas that I was going through when I hit upon doing a love story. That's what I was going to do. Yeah. So with with when talking about writing it, then Phantasm as a villain, you know, when I was, I, I, I saw this very young. So Phantasm as a kid, you know, is quite intimidating and spooky. You know, it's a, it's a very spooky bad guy, if I could put that in quotation marks. And I just remember being scared of, of the way that that character moves, you know, and through the smoke and everything, especially in that graveyard sequence. So where did the idea of the Phantasm come from for you? Well, I, I wanted some a character who could appear and disappear easily, and uh, and so I, I I felt he he'd be lost in mist and you and, and disappear that way. You know, people think he's predicated on the Reaper, which is a um, a Batman villain. But uh, t- the truth is, I've never I never had read a story with the Reaper in it before I started this movie. I read some stories afterwards, and but the, the, the the villain that I sort of like had in mind was somebody like Mysterio who got lost in mist. And, uh, that was an inspiration for me. And, and the uh, outfit was all Bruce Timm's, uh, design and, uh, it worked out pretty well. I don't know how much to spoil here, so I'm not going to try and spoil. Oh, and, you can, you can spoil it. Alan, this movie's 30 years old. Everyone that's listening that's right. has seen it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, you can sort of t- tell that. So, and it, it wasn't, it, the the film is it has a mystery, but it's not so much a mystery as it is suspense. I mean, will Bruce Wayne and uh, and and uh, Andrea arise above this? Will will they will they make it through this together? And of course, uh, when she turns out to be the villain, you know all is going to be lost. So how will that happen? What will happen in the end? Anyways, it's more of a suspense film than it is a mystery film, but. Uh, mm. But it does have a mystery for a while, I think. Yeah. So, what influenced you in making it a mystery? You know, because it is it is considered a children's film, and of course, I'm not saying that you have to placate to children, but you create such a very thorough story here with red herrings. You've got like Arthur Reeves. You've got Andrea's dad, Carl Beaumont. These are suspects, you know, that could be the phantasm. And then, of yes, course, at the end, you reveal it's Andrea. So, where? Why did you decide to do? It's not a who done it, but you know what I mean—a mystery. Why? Where was that from? Well, I mean, it's just, uh, just that's the way that it got structured as a mystery. I intended to start off as a mystery, but I realized later, you know, as as things started to close in with these characters, that you would start to realize, oh, it could be her. Oh, is it her? Oh, it's her. Damn, what's going to happen now? Mm. And, you know, and it, it is a movie that I think kids can watch and enjoy. Um, I don't know. How old were you when you watched it? Uh, I was seven. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I mean, we, purposely, I'll tell you that we, we made the killings in the movie pretty off screen. So uh, there's, yeah. there's, it's not a bloody movie at all. 
Although today I've been told it would get an R rating because there's a lot of smoking in it. Yes, but, yeah. yeah. I love that, yes. though. I mean, honestly, you want gangsters to smoke. Plus, there's one yeah. character who ends up, you know, he's in a breathing mask because he smokes so much. So you were giving that message. Yeah, Abe Pagoda. He plays... Yeah. Uh, um, Sal Valestra. Sal uh, Valestra. Yeah. And we've uh, created his daughter in the comic books, Paul Dini and I. Have you? Uh, oh, man, I still haven't gotten around to reading season three because I think I told you last time I'm waiting for the whole collection to... Yeah be in one like you know graphic novel that's what i'm trying to think of so yeah I, i'm wait, i'm waiting for that that's cool though that you've you've carried on that story i love that yeah her name is Estra, Estra, Estra Balestra. <laughs> Estra Balestra. <laughs> she's a cross between uh ma barker and liza minnelli <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. i love that yeah and so with the gangsters in this in this film um, they have such great names. Like we've just been talking about Sal Lester, Buzz Bronsky, Chucky soul, you know, like those names just, I've remembered forever since I've, I've seen this film. They're just such memorable gangster names. And, you know, you didn't, what was it like writing this film without BS and P kind of really breathing down your neck? Well, I felt like we had a bit more freedom. And like I said, we had to do a, we did have to do a movie that, uh, would get a rating that kids could see it. So we were careful. Uh, BSP was never a problem on Batman the Animated Series. Um, in some ways, they were heroes for us. Uh, Avery Coburn, I may have mentioned her in the last the last uh, interview I had. Uh, she was our BSP person, and she truly helped us. And she truly understood what we were doing. And even though we were under children's programming over at Fox, we were a 3.30 in the afternoon show. So we could, so we could be right there with Mannix and, and the other, <laughs> other TV detectives who uh, got reruns in the afternoon. So we, we just watched the violence and the rest of it, we're, you know, it's a pretty mature film. I mean, the dialogue's pretty good and, we, and, and um, the performances are great. So it was an interesting process. Uh, making the film was interesting. Originally, it was supposed to be a home video. And uh, Eric Radomski, who is one of our directors, or our main director, uh, Bruce and Eric uh, honchoed the show, the series, and everything throughout, throughout Batman, the animated series, life. And he had made uh, a CG computer graphics uh, Gotham City, which opens the movie. An executive came over from the lot. He saw that this opening, and he said, "You know what? Let's put this in the theaters." And that's how it got put in the theaters. They didn't give us more money. They didn't give us more time. And there was a while there where we were wondering if we really had a movie because the, some of the animation had to be redone and redone and redone uh, because it just wasn't looking that good for a movie theater. But in the end, we got the important animation and the important scenes. And, that, and that's how it was made. We had, by the way, um, an executive put in charge, an executive from the lot put in charge of the movie. Uh, not that she did anything, but she was there as sort of a, a liaison between us and the, and, the, and the studio. And her name was Dee Dee Allen. Do you know who Dee Dee Allen is? No. Uh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> As a film student, I thought, oh, my God, Dee Dee Allen. She was the editor of, uh, she's one of the most famous editors in all of movie history. She edited 
um, Bonnie and Clyde, and okay. she edited Dog Day Afternoon. She may have edited Night Moves, which is another movie I love, uh, but she's a fantastic editor. Um, and she was assigned this movie to go. She was at the screening. She didn't say much. She really didn't do much. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. But she was there if we needed her for for something. And uh, and I was really dumbfounded that I I actually met uh, Dee Dee Allen. I could. I'm. She. I mean. I. I, she, uh, I mean. Her. Her editing eye is, is amazing. But I don't think she ever got Batman. When she occasionally, when she'd ask a question, you realize she doesn't really know the history of Batman or anything about it. One day, we were about three quarters of the way through production. We had a cut film, and uh, there were still a few um, a few uh, scenes that had to be uh, uh, slid into fill some gaps. But we had we had a we had our film, and uh, I came to my office in the morning and I found this videotape, this cassette tape. Uh, we worked with cassette tapes in those days. And, uh, <laughs> Yes. And uh, it said on it, Batman, I forget, some, something about continuity. And I thought, what the heck is this? And I slipped it into the machine. And what somebody had done on the lot was taken the whole movie and, and recut it so that the earliest scenes were at the beginning. All the flashbacks were at the beginning. And then we come to the present day. And the movie went on. It was just totally everything. And I, I, to this day, I don't know why anybody did this because it doesn't make any. <laughs> and but I was nervous that that the lot was nervous about uh, the film. And to me, it's very understandable with all its flashbacks. So the flashbacks are very understandable. Um, and I called up uh, executive producer um, Tom Rugen and I said, "What is this? What what are, what are we supposed to do with this?" And he said, it doesn't work, does it? And I said, no, it doesn't work. And, uh, <laughs> so someone was just tinkering to see if they could re-edit the movie to make it like yeah. canonically like going through from start to finish, literally from when he meets Andrea all the way to the end scene with the Joker at the future yeah. world. Wow. And, uh, and, and, and I never really found out who did this or why. I really never did find that out. But I have a feeling Dee Dee did it just to, just, just to see what it looked like. Because like I said, I didn't think, she, I didn't think she got Batman, but, uh, but it was a thrill to have her, to meet her, to see her. I mean, she's a, such an amazing person. So that's that story. I've never really told that story. No, that's a, that's really cool. I love that. I didn't know that. And um, I just thinking about the movie where it's going from the start to finish in literally the way that it, it it's done with flashbacks starting there. I can't imagine that ever being gripping enough because what I love about the film is that we start with Batman in Gotham and he is Batman. You know, we start right away with him crashing through a window and punching goons in the face and they're, they're shooting bullets and, you know, he stomps on a table when one of the guys is underneath and he knocks the guy out and you're like, oh my God, this is Batman. You know, again, this movie is like the animated series on steroids. Batman's punching people in the face. He's like stomping them out. You know, I love that. And then you get the phantasm in the car park if you waited so long for that to happen, 
I would be bored. Like, the flashbacks work because they're peppered in throughout the film. So you're not just having to watch this whole love story, you know, kind of go from beginning to to end, as it were, as when Andrea leaves him. And also, you would know that Andrea's the phantasm if you did it like that, because you know her dad is dead. And you know it's not Arthur Reeves. So you're like, oh, it's her. It just, none of it, none of that recut made sense. But uh, I think they just did it. I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe that's a regular thing that they do on the lot to just to just jolt everybody, <laughs> kill some time. I guess. I, I mean, you were, you guys are under a time crunch, you know, and you're trying to get it out there, and someone's re-editing it. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, the the other the other voice actor that has a scene in this that really stands out to me is Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Like him as Alfred is always an absolute treat. He's just the greatest Alfred uh, I've ever seen. But there's a scene in this film where he talks to Bruce in the Batcave and the way he tells him, like, I'm thankful that you haven't fallen into the same pit that Andrea did years ago. And that that whole scene, was that you that wrote that scene or was that one of the other co-writers? It was, it was, uh, it was Michael Reeves, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's another piece of dialogue that stayed untouched. Right. I mean, it was, um, it was wonderful. And, uh, you know, he is, he is the, the father, he, uh, the, the daddy figure in this yeah. movie. I mean, he is the guy who, who did uh, diaper. Now you brought that up. I always thought that was a really weird choice for Alfred to pick. I get it. Like he's saying, I know you so well, you know, I diapered your bottom. But as a kid, I didn't, even as an English kid, I didn't hear diapered. I heard died at your bottom. And I was like, what is he talking about? Like, as a kid, I, I had no idea what he was talking about. But I mean, as an adult, I was like, diapered. OK, I get it. That's how well he knows him. But yeah, that was such an interesting choice of an example, I think, of Alfred to give. It was very random. He was great. He was Ephraim was a, a, such a gentleman. He was he was Alfred. I mean, that that was his personality. Very soft spoken and articulate and a sweet, sweet, sweet man. Yeah, he was. He's just an incredible Alfred. And I think that scene is one of his finest scenes as Alfred as well in that film. Uh, like most most of the people in this, you know. Um, and of course, you had uh, Dana Delaney as Andrea Beaumont. Uh, Dana. Yeah, she was wonderful. Um and because she did this, we ended up also having her as Lois Lane and the, yes. and the Superman cartoons. Yeah, she was wonderful. And I'm, I'm just a thrill to work with. She Again, she is meeting her in person. She's very much like Andrea in the first, at least the first half before she goes killer. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you believe her. You can see the anguish and she's, 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 you can hear the anguish in her voice and and uh, we loved working with her. We did very much. I found out later that she was very, very, very good friends with Arlene Sorkin. They had a steady date of watching the Oscars every year together, just the two of them. But they were, they were big pals. I didn't realize that until, until last week. Wow, but, I didn't know that either. And Arlene, by the way, has a voice in this. Uh, yes, movie. she does. Yeah. Yes. Jeez, Eye I for can't. engagement. Yes, yes. And that that joke has never gotten a laugh. What? All I can think about is that the audience doesn't know how to spell engagement. That's all. <laughs> the 
that joke has never gotten a laugh. And I wait, I, I wait and I listen because uh, I was surprised it didn't happen the first time and it's never happened. But I think people get the joke. I hope, I hope they're yeah, better. I think, I think as a kid, I didn't. But then as a, you know, a, a, a young teenager, I definitely got the joke. And I've always enjoyed that. I think that's funny. It's, it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's not Harley, but she is this, you know, kind of, ditzy you know girl that like is is there probably on her looks and for no other reason at this like big shindig at way manor and she proves that in one sentence by saying i for engagement i think that's hilarious and then she's dancing on the piano in the uh, in the other scene and saying brucey and alfred's like miss bambi's dancing on the piano again sir i thought it's great uh, that uh, by the way the joke that that joke actually happened at a hollywood party and somebody uh, told me that at one time, uh, a sort of a ditzy uh, girlfriend of an older uh, star who had said that to him in, in company. <laughs> I never oh, forgot. so that's where, that's where it comes from then. That's amazing. That's where it comes from, yeah. It's just, I thought, oh, this is a perfect spot to put that line. But <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm, like I said, I never, it never gets a laugh, but people don't. People are maybe too involved with other things going on in the movie. I don't know. Maybe those. Arlene Sorkin did that voice, and and she's much, much, much missed, much missed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So, did you did you ever manage to make it to any of the recordings of this film? Were you in the booth during some of the recordings of this? Yeah, Yeah, I was probably at all the recordings. Wow. And then, and then, and we uh, mixed it, and the sound. I was there, and that was an interesting. That was interesting because. Uh, you know, this was intended to be a home video in the beginning, and then it became uh, a release for movie in the movie theaters. And seeing it on a big screen, you were aware of just of of mouth flaps more than you were on the small screen. And I think we spent a good day mixing the sound of that movie, moving people's dialogue so it fit better. It, it always seemed just a little like a frame off. And it was, it was maybe the most frustrating part of making that movie was making sure that the dialogue in limited animation on the big screen looked right. Yeah, that sounds really annoying. I mean, as as a guy who does a podcast and, you know, I obviously I do editing and I have to like shift um, audio uh, files around and stuff like that. And if something's off, I'm going in there and find tooth combing it and you know making sure it's it's all right but i'm using technology of today not technology of 1993 so i'm sure that was really difficult at the time yeah and it's 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 difficult because it's only a frame off but you sort of see it yeah and and after a while your your eyes start to go crazy uh but, but we did but it worked out in the end do you have a particular favorite scene of the film? And then also, do you have a particular scene where you wish you had more time or something was different about it? Well, there are scenes in which I wish the animation was a little more fluid than it is. But one of my favorite scenes and one of my favorite performances is by Hart Bachner. And he plays Arthur Reeves, the um, the councilman who is with a sinister past the scene where he gets uh, affected by the joker the joker gas gas and it has to explain this horrible horrible story while laughing his head off 
is one of my favorite scenes and favorite performances in the film. And I was uh, to be in the studio was like an electric thing to watch. <laughs> I he, bet he did it perfectly the first time, and we may have used his first take, uh, but we we did one more take with him, and it was equally as good. And uh, we, and that's what we do. We usually like to get at least two takes to to have choices, and he just did that beautifully. And uh, it's one of my favorite scenes. It's one of my favorite scenes and my brother's favorite scenes as well. We uh, have over the years have always loved to, there's a, there's that particular scene where he's laughing and goes, Oh no. When he sees Batman in the window, but he's yeah. laughing as he says, Oh no. And both my brother and I have always done that. Like, Oh no. When we're like, something's <laughs> happening where something's going wrong, but like, it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? And uh, it's just, it's so well animated and so well performed. And I didn't yeah. know until we reviewed it uh, recently, but he played Ellis in Die Hard, and he's like such a standout character in that movie. You know, he's yes. the guy that like sells sells him out, John McClane, and then you know goes to Alan Rickman and was like trying to make a deal, and then gets killed for it. And he's a great, he's a sleazy character in that, and he's a sleazy character in Mask of the Phantasm. And I love his performance in both those movies; they're great. You're right. I, I forgot about. Uh... A diehard, but he's terrific in that. He's a uh, he's he's a guy who you 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 think that there is no has no consideration for anybody else, and in the end, he sacrifices himself, and mm. it's really it's a it's a, a shocking moment because you're sure he's going to give things away, and he he doesn't. But uh, no, he was very good. I I I liked his performance throughout the whole thing. He was good. But that yeah. one scene is really, it's a killer scene, so. Yeah, and it's great when there's the, the, the scene before he's poisoned as well where Joker comes in. Again, my brother and I just reviewed it, and my brother said that's his favorite scene of the whole film because the way Joker looks in that trench coat and that hat, and he comes into that office, and he's having this conversation. Um, my brother said this before, and I'll relay it to you. Joker is like a great white shark in this movie, <laughs> right? He's... <laughs> He is that, and I'm like giving my brother full credit for that analogy because I love it so much. He is he is the the shark where you think you know you can trust him. Like there's that scene where Sal Valestra goes to him and he's like, you know, can we make a deal? Like you've got to protect me, and he's like, anything for my old pal Sal. My brother said that's like jumping into the waters with a bucket of chum and trying to make a deal with a great white, right? Like the great white just comes in and everything everyone's watching it like what's what's it gonna do and just scared and it disrupts everything like when joker comes into this movie he totally disrupts everything and makes it even better you know you're like you're following this movie and you're following like okay andrea and bruce used to be together who's this phantasm character and there's the mob and then suddenly the joker appears and you're like this just, you know, stepped up another level. And that's like a great white coming into the waters when there's like some sort of fish fight or something. I don't know. It's brilliant. Yeah, he comes like almost right in the middle of the movie. He's yeah. introduced. And by that time, you're ready for him. You, you want to see him. You want, you want the movie to start shifting into high gear here. And he does it. So... Yeah. And of course, you know, uh, you said Paul obviously is the Joker guy, but then, um, and he's publicly, he's even um, done a comic book about his assault that happened to him during this film. You know, how did you guys react when when you found out about this? Oh, we were all shocked and felt very bad for him. Um, it was, um, 
you got you got assaulted. I, I don't think it was a mugging. It was just an assault. Yeah. And almost like a, almost like a gang thing, um, uh, just to do some damage, you know, uh, and, uh, he got hurt. He got, he got a, a bone broken and, uh, near his eye and didn't come to, to work for a while and, right. uh, was depressed about the whole thing. But, um, being the great creator, the great uh, writer that he is, he was able to, uh, in the end, take that experience and really make a terrific book uh, story out of it and uh, a biographical comic book. It was just, um, I was, and uh, I'm in that book too. And uh, you are in that book, yes. In that book, and uh, it was a graphic novel, so I should call it. And uh, he was, uh, it, it was fun to be in the book. But I remember those days, and I remember all the stories. So seeing them, the way he put them into uh, into his graphic novel um, was uh, was fascinating to me, doubly so. Again, um, insight into what he was going through alone, essentially, right? Like, he obviously yeah. shared some stuff with you, but I'm sure a lot he didn't share until much later. Yeah, it was, it was horrendous. Um, and it happened on... The residential streets of Beverly Hills, mm. a place where you never expect to uh, run into a couple of thugs. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, I mean, you know, from reading that story and seeing that journey, uh, it made me appreciate his work even more because I know he was on the 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 cusp of, of possibly giving it all up, or at least that's what he expressed in in the book itself. But I think that's you know doing batman that's something that helped bring him back i suppose and uh you know again i'm speculating and also when i based off the story but you know the guy and you know you obviously you you collaborate with him still to this day so yeah. um yeah i mean it's it's interesting I mean, from your did, perspective i mean there was a uh, he there was a, a a few days there where he wasn't sure he ever wanted to come back and uh but uh, time did some healing for him i think mm-hmm. and he was I think within a couple of weeks, he was starting to write some more stuff for the series. But it was a terrible thing. It was just horrible. We're very uh, simpatico, he and I. I mean, we understand each other, I think, a lot. And uh, we talk in shorthand and all that. And we work really well on the, over the phone. I haven't seen him physically in a couple of years, maybe three years, four years. But uh, when we're, we're on the phone, it's like, oh, you know, old times again and uh he's <laughs> a pleasure to work with he really is and we have pretty much the same take on batman so well that and, helps and that, <laughs> you know that helps a lot and that i mean we see him we see we see batman i think as partially as i was saying a juvenile fantasy and then you've got to you know realize that as you're uh writing stories about him yeah yeah so with with this particular story with with the film the the thing that also stands out besides the amazing animation and the amazing story that 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 you all collaborated on is also the music by Shirley Walker um it's just incredible she's even cited it when uh back when it came out that it was her best work on Batman is what she said and I'm I'm not going to argue with her there, but we've had previous guests like Kevin Altieri share memories of hearing some of her musical scores for the first time, including the Two Face theme. And I've just, I just wanted to ask you, what memories do you have of, of Shirley and hearing her music for this film for the first time, or just in general? 
Oh my gosh, I think that she her her music elevates this, helps to elevate this from a home video into a movie. It's one of the areas of of the movie which is truly theatrical, truly big. And uh, I've loved all her work, but uh, her Batman theme I've loved uh, from the first moment I heard it, very plaintive theme. What blew me away from the very beginning is the chorus, this uh, chanting going on uh, in the uh, opening credits, which I don't know if I told you this last time, but those, the words that the, the singers are singing in this, like a choir, but anyways, the words are uh, our names backwards. And so it sounds very sort of, <laughs> it sounds like old Roman um, yeah, operatic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, but it's that's, yeah, that's it's incredible. I've read. Well, I've been told actually, uh, and also read that those particular names are names that weren't being credited for having worked on the series or on on the film. Like people that had worked on it briefly but weren't credited and she wanted to credit them. Now, I don't know if they were people in her orchestra or or what, but I heard that those are names of people sung backwards that weren't credited that she wanted to have in the credits in their, in her own way. I've never heard that, but it would, it would be like her to do that. Because, right. Uh, yeah. She was a very democratic person. So. Yeah, I've heard. Um, and it's brilliant. Also, I've read that Hans Zimmer worked on this film. He was one of the uh, synth people that worked on this film. I have to tell you, that's news to me. I really? Yeah. I've, that's what I've read. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, there's, some, there's some facts here from our review that we recently did that I'd be interested to know if I won't read them all, but if some of them are bullshit, right? Like <laughs> you, read, you read a lot of stuff. So I'd be interesting to know. Let me just pull it up here. You've already debunked some of this where I, I read a fact where it's like the, the film is uh, influenced by Batman Year One and Batman Year Two, including the Reaper. But as you said, you didn't know who the Reaper was until after you had written the film. Um, was there any Batman Year One influence in this film? I don't, I don't think so, but it's been... It's Compared been to it. years, so, right, yeah. I've, oh. That's fair. That's that's totally fair. And um, I, like, I like year one very much. So, but I don't I think mean, so. There's there's just some things people pull from year one in comparison, like his first night out, and he's in the balaclava and like you know the 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 leather jacket, and he's he's not Batman yet. He's a vigilante, right? Like that's uh, you see something similar in year one. Um, and also Batman Begins years later did that with Christian Bale and he's like in a balaclava and stuff which was very reminiscent of the Phantasm but then um, there's also his escape from the police that whole police chase sequence is similar but you know if you're going to have Batman versus the police there's always going to be people that say it's year one influence so that's why I wanted to ask you if that was something you had in mind or not which clearly it probably wasn't it was just a coincidence you know, it's, it's strange that uh, the, the things that you, you write and you didn't, don't realize that they, they, they had happened before. And one of them was uh, Two-Face. I wanted to do Two-Face as a split personality before he became Two-Face, before mm. the accident. 
And it turns out Andy Helfer had the same idea. Uh, in a, oh, uh, right. Did ours, and I just never realized it. And, well, there you uh, go. I mean, great minds, right? Uh, okay, here's a good one. Citizen Kane served as an influence for the flashbacks, a story about loss and the passage of time. Well, uh, in a way, yeah. I, I love Citizen Kane. And uh, I love the the flashbacks tell the story, really. I mean, they p- keep pushing the story ahead. And I w- uh, let me put it this way. Uh, I was not afraid to use flashbacks because of Citizen Kane. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's and, a good way to put it. I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. So the next one, uh, the computer-generated Gotham City at the opening credits was considered to be used in the animated series afterwards as the backdrop for Gotham City to replace the map paintings. Is that bullshit or is that true? I never heard that. Okay. And it, so, but I don't know why we didn't use it. It was nice. Maybe it just looked too different for I, I think series, it would have, but... yeah, it would have thrown off. The, it works for the film but I think it would have thrown off the whole vibe of the animated series if you had that. And then years later, there was a Spider-Man show that had a computer-generated city, and honestly, it dates that show because the technology just wasn't there in the 90s to really make it, you know, pop. It works for the credits, but those matte paintings you have in the show are timeless, right? Like, they just, they'll live on forever. They work. So I'm glad that, if that was true, I'm glad it didn't happen. Um, Okay, we've got... Uh, here's one. The Dummy Corporation's O'Neill Funding Corp and Adams Tool and Die shown yes. on Batman's computer screen are to Danny O'Neill and Neil Adams. Yes, we do that often. Yes. That's yes. awesome. I love that. Then we've got the character of Arthur Reeves originated in the comics, Half and Evil. Reeves was a short-lived comic relief, but a bone to pick with Batman. He ceased all complaints after Batman frightened him with a senseless one-timed boo. Apparently he scared him with a boo. Yeah, that's probably true. I probably got that from the comic books. Gotcha. And the cool. reason I say that is because one of my writers is Michael Reeves, as I said, and they're spelled the same way. And I don't think I would have used Arthur Reeves as a name if he wasn't in the comics. So um, it, it just it's just a, a coincidence that, that my writer and this character had the same names. But I didn't. Uh, so I, I'm saying to you, I think I got it from the comic books. Yes. Gotcha. So uh, here's one that includes you. Bruce Tim went through approximately 20 different character designs for the Phantasm before he created the version that we see on screen. The large blade on the right hand was not part of Tim's original design and was added later at Alan Burnett's insistence. I don't remember insisting anything, but, but <laughs> he, did, he did have several versions of it. I'm not sure it was 20, but he did have several versions of it. And... Um, I don't remember having any battles with him about about the knife, never. So, or the blade. Was that something you wanted, the blade? Yeah, I think I did, yes. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I like the blade. And it, may, it was great for the action figure as well, which actually that leads me to uh, a really interesting thing. You know what I'm about to say, right? The action figure that was sold, uh, which yes. the Phantasm, the mask was off on the action figure. So when you would go to buy the Phantasm, you'd see it's on. Yeah. 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 All I can figure out is that, you know, the movie was out of the theaters and they didn't care. I guess so, yeah. They were staying true to it. So that's fine. And uh, what else do we we have here? Oh, yeah, the final one here. Uh, during early development, the film was going to be called Batman Masks. It was, however, changed to Batman Masks of the Phantasm during production. 
That's true. That's Why? True. So where did that come from in changing the title? It just seemed, it seemed to, um, I, maybe it just it didn't seem too dramatic a title. So we want to add some drama to it. So we added a phantasm, which was a, you know, a character I didn't realize. Uh, I, I didn't think the, the name phantasm had been used in comic books. And apparently it had. Mar oh, Marvel, right. Marvel Wolfman thanked me for using the name because I guess he got a check for it. Oh, no kidding. I didn't even know that. That's great. Yeah. But he had a character called Phantasm uh, in one of the comics he wrote. But I didn't get the name from it. It was just Great Minds again. Yeah, so. again, Great Minds. Yeah. Now, with Phantasm, were there any ideas that were thrown around to use her again in either a sequel to the movie or the animated series? Were there, were there any plans to possibly bring her back? I know she comes back way down the line in... Uh, a Batman Beyond Justice League kind of combo episode. Um, you see her briefly because she's like hunting Terry McGuinness's parents. But was that character ever considered for a sequel or anything like that before her appearance years later? No, it never was. And um, it's not been picked up too much in the comic books. I think she's had a couple of appearances. But, I, you know, it's a story that really is has a beginning, middle, and end. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's the reason why it hasn't, people haven't picked up on it. And it's fine with me, but um, no, we, we, we had no plans to put her in the series at all. We felt that that story was over, so. And then nothing in the, I know, well, I suppose that leads me into my question before I, I say this part of it. Uh, the last time we spoke, you were completing season three of Batman, the Adventure Continues comic book series that you co-wrote with Paul Dini. Are there yeah. any plans to return for season four of that series? No, not yet. This may be it. And uh, I'm holding in my hands uh, the, uh, the second to last comic. Ooh. The next one is coming out very soon. And I think that's going to be it. They'll, they'll collect it, of course, and put it in uh, in a graphic novel, a novel form. Uh, be nice. And uh, but that may be it, unless you know this is groundswell to do more of them. But I haven't heard that that's happening. So we'll see. Okay. Well, you had that was the same with season two, right? You thought that was it, and then yeah. season three came. So you never know. Uh, crossing my fingers, like I said, I haven't read season three because I'm waiting for the graphic novel collection, and I'll definitely read the hell out of that like I did with season one and season two. And yeah, season four, I mean, I really like the Phantasm and Andrea, and I've always wanted to see more stories. So take that for what it is, man. But I think there's right. a lot of fans, a lot of fans out there love that character they love mask of the phantasm and yeah i think andrea you know you you crafted such an amazing character there that um it would be great to see her return in some form or fashion so i fingers crossed on this end at least yeah oh, oh yeah. it's something we would think about if we went into another another year of um of uh the adventures continue it's just we haven't been told yet so we'll see Okay, great. Well, I hope so, because I think it's it's amazing that you guys are still continuing to tell stories in this world. I think it's it's brilliant. And, you know, I'm still getting the Batman from the same guys that I got when I was a kid, which, you know, I love because it's it's just great to get new content in the, in this universe that you guys crafted. So I'm all on board. I mean, hell, if it was up to me, I'd be giving you guys more movies and just handing over the reins to, to you guys to run the Batman ship in, in all aspects of entertainment. 
Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You know, there's been a couple of screenings. Uh, I, I went to a screening of it. it it's, it's having its 30th uh, anniversary this year, Phantasm. And I was invited uh, to go to a screening of it presented in at the Fountain Con uh, comic book convention, which was, uh, was in Kansas City, just outside Kansas City. And that was fun to see it again. I hadn't seen it in years. And there's going to be another screening by a film society in Macon, Georgia, um, on October, the weekend of October 22nd. So, you know, you people out in Georgia, if you're listening and uh, want to see the movie in a big theater, it's going to be coming there. And uh, so, you know, so I'll see, and I've been invited, I'm going to be speaking there about the, about the film too. So, um, oh, awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm jealous. I'm not near Georgia. Yeah. Well, it's going to be, it should be fun. It's, but it's interesting that uh, I get to see it a couple of, for a couple of big screenings uh, in this 30th anniversary year. It's fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's amazing that that for the 30th there are there is a new again a new resurgence of watching this film because, like I said, it's being released on 4K. There's screenings that you're getting to attend to, and you know, I think more of this stuff. Like, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that Warner Brothers does do more of this stuff because you know we've lost some people recently that were uh, big parts of the show and you know i just feel like the more that everyone that contributed to this that were was involved the more we get to hear from them and hear about the stories and you know you remember things like you remembered something earlier when you were just talking about the making of this that you really hadn't shared before and i think that's great because the more that we know about the making of this the better in my opinion because it will people are going to be watching this movie forever you know like it's it's a standout film well thank you very much it was a pleasure to make and i'm glad people still enjoy it it's nice it's very Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to hopefully go and check out a screening um, over here. I think there's one in November, and I've never seen it on the big screen, so I'm going to definitely go and check that out. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and uh, before we go, I just wanted to share a story with you about this movie because I, I, I love this movie. Obviously, we've been talking about it, and I love the animated series. I can't tell you how many times I've watched this movie. It's literally just I've lost count over the years, yeah? And it's it's great because as a kid, I got it on one level. And then as, you know, like a teenager, I got it on another level, then a young adult and then a grown man. And it's like there's layers that I've gotten to to understand as I'm watching it. And I always find something new when I watch it, which is great. But it, it used to be my go to movie when I uh, was uh, going to university out in America. I went to uh, a university in Maine and I was a film student. And it was my go-to, like if I needed cheering up or I wanted to be reminded of home or I watched something, just something familiar, you know, something comforting. I would even watch it to fall asleep sometimes, yeah? But the thing that I, I wanted to share with you the most is that the DVD menu, when this was out on DVD back in the early 2000s, would always wake me up because once the film ended, Shirley Walker's theme would just go like, bah, and just like blast throughout my dorm room, wake my roommate up as well. And he'd be like, fuck's sakes, you're watching that fucking thing again? You know? <laughs> and like, it was just, and my roommate even not only got to watch the film over and over again and ended up appreciating it because I loved it so much that he was like, oh, I've never seen this and like loved it. 
but he heard the theme so much that he would sing it throughout the day because it was just playing on loop at night. So this movie just, I cut, yeah, it's been with me, you know, ever since I was a boy. So I, I love it. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely a standout movie for me. So it's been a real pleasure to have you back on again, to talk to you about making it because yeah, there's been Very, so many things. Thank you. It was fascinating. Right. <laughs> well, you're welcome. There's just been so many things that, you know, you, you, watch uh, and you always wonder and there's things online like i said but it's great to hear it from the man himself you know the one who penned this this whole story so thank you for coming on the show alan i really appreciate it my pleasure thank you alex take care well that was fun who's for chinese all right but that was amazing i i love having alan Burnett come on the show he's just such a genuine kind dude and full of information and always happy to share so first of all just want to thank alan Burnett again for coming on our show hope you guys all enjoyed that and right off the bat bud i gotta say there was a few things that i listed in our fun facts on our mask of the phantasm review that turns out are just internet bullshit and not wow. actual facts. So I get to actually ask Alan, as you heard, the things that, you know, the facts that I said on the show and which were true and which weren't. So first of all, the Reaper was not an influence for Phantasm, although we thought that was a really cool coincidence and would make sense. Um, as he said in my interview, Alan has never read Year Two and he's never read a story with the Reaper until after that fact. So it's just a happy coincidence. Great minds think alike, I guess. So... There's one fact debunked um, online. His favorite scene is the Arthur Reeves laughing gas scene, which I think is your favorite as well, right, from the yeah. film? Oh, no! <laughs> it's amazing. Like, seeing that recording must have been so cool. He was talking about that. Like, imagine, I guess, seeing that performance, because we see it, obviously, with the animation over it, but, like, to actually be in the booth and, like, I wonder what arm movements or shoulder movements mm. he did well, in order to... Now I know place. it's the guy from Die Hard. I'll never watch that movie the same, right? Like, uh, like yeah. I'll always look at it like, Hans, booby, oh no! Like, <laughs> all in one sentence. Um, and then Bruce Wayne being in love uh, is putting that character in a scenario where he feels very uncomfortable and not natural to him. That's why Alan Burnett very much likes to do that because he's uh, the way he analyzed it, and he's, he noted that Paul Dini thinks the same way he does when it comes to Batman, is that Batman, he fumbles when he's in love. He's like a, a big boy. Like, he's out of his comfort zone. He doesn't know what to do. And I think that's a really interesting place to take that character, you know? Yeah, like, and fun to explore in the early side of his career when he's deciding if being the Bat is, like, what he truly wants to do and, like, putting it up against falling in love with someone and potentially starting a happy future instead of a solo, you know, lonely, vengeful future. I think it's the best place to put a Batman love story, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought it was the best choice for the movie. I know they were kicking around a few ideas like trial and stuff, but the love story kind of came out strong and was just definitely the one that they went with immediately because they were like, mm. yeah, that's it. Um, and so, yeah. I, us I usually hate love stories in films, like especially in old action movies. Like I'm like, who is this for? Like, like it's most of the time it's really forced in them. Um, and I, I honestly think most like, love stories are done pretty poorly. Like, don't you think? Or am I alone here? Well, I think in superhero stories, comic yeah. stories, yes. Like the Captain, I... Cap, first Captain America movie, I, I thought that his love story with Peggy Olsen was pretty weak. 
I want a lot Carter. more. From, yeah, Peggy Carter. Sorry, Peggy Olsen. I'm Mad Men boy. Um, <laughs> so, but this I actually love. I think it's done really, really well. Yeah, I agree. I think Andrea is a really good match for Batman. I, I've always compared um, Batman to like my love of Bond, and I even chatted with Alan Burnett off pod about James Bond for like 20 minutes, which was just a great chat. But he said that he injected a lot of Bond into his Batman, and this love story, you know, we were comparing it to like, well, what Bond had, like the girl that would have been like his wife, and there's like Tracy from... Uh, on a Majesty's Secret Service or Vespa from Casino Royale, like Andrea is one of those. I think mm. she's not like a throwaway like Bond girl in that sense. She's you know oh she left. What are you impression. saying? Are you saying that Catwoman and Talia Ghoul, they're all just throwaway women? No, I guess Catwoman is definitely she's up there. But Andrea was like he proposed to her. He was going to stop being Batman. He hasn't wanted to do that with anybody else, you know. Like I know he wasn't Batman yet, but he was going to quit his whole like vow to his parents. Like I think that above anybody else, she takes the cake for someone that would have changed his whole life. Um, How often do you think Batman has a whack, or does he see? Does he keep it piled up? second time you talked about Batman wank. No, no, no. The first time we talked about him having a wank on the back computer, which we decided, yes, he probably definitely does. Yeah. But do you think, like, on okay, on a weekly basis, do you think Batman has a, a wank once a week? Uh, you, you know what? There's probably one some... Week, ha- one week wank. <laughs> I, I, I know what he probably does. He probably has one, whatever the, like, health side of it is like to you know you or you got to release this that and the other he probably follows that just like it's like oh this is the healthy thing to do alfred that's why (laughs) every other day (laughs) yes sir here are the tissues i i I understand it's the healthy thing to do every other day sir i would just really rather you not just choose to do it anyway in wayne manner because right now you're just going around and going, oh, I forgot to do my wank today. And then, you're, oh, 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 oh. And then he finishes anywhere way better and I have to clean it up. And, you know, I, I signed up for a lot as your butler. I do. You know, I cook your meals. I tuck you into bed. I help you catch all the superstitious cowardly lot in all of Gotham City. But cleaning up your loads all across Wayne Manor is where I draw the line, sir. <laughs> There's a lot of rooms in this house, sir. I don't There's know many you know rooms. And most of I walk into and I go, whoa, I slip because of all the loads you're dropping. Oh, I've waited in them all, Alfred. It's been a good year. <laughs> and I go, oh, there's there's the bad squatter again. Because <laughs> it's white, sir. <laughs> what, am I t- what am I talking about right now? I don't know. Mr. Tangent tonight. Oh, God. Okay, going back to Alan Burnett. Yes, serious. Let's talk about someone that's very serious and yeah. you know, a huge inspiration for the show and an amazing creator. Why am I talking about Batman having a wank? Let's get back on track. So Alan Burnett said when creating the Phantasm, the villain that he had in mind when creating that character was actually Mysterio from Spider-Man, which oh, okay. makes a lot of sense with like the reappearing and disappearing. He didn't go into uh, why... Um, she knows how to do that, but he wanted a villain that could appear and disappear because it was just convenient for the story in order to, you know, make it a mystery and stuff. He thought that worked really well. And I guess Mysterio, mystery, there we go. You know, that works. Right. Then we talked about the the CG Gotham opening, uh, and I didn't know that th- that opening is the reason that it was selected to go from home video to the cinema. 
Oh, really? Like that that was the CG, like, oh, that was the opening where they were like, wow, this looks like, you know, like it could be in the theater. Let's let's do that. So, so such like a cinematic opening that they were like, this needs to be in cinemas. Yeah, this needs to be on the big screen so people could see this amazing CG that's from 1993. It's groundbreaking stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. But I guess that's kind of like Jurassic Park, right? Like they were going to do model making and then they saw the CG and they're like, yeah, we're going with that. Let's do that. And that was around the same year. They didn't just see it. That guy was like one of the wisest people ever and like put it together anyway and just put it on a TV in the background when all the execs were coming and they were like, what's this? This looks dope. Let's do that. Yeah. Really bold move by that guy, but uh, yeah, kind of changed of jobs. He changed the film industry forever just by being like, I'm just going to fucking animate this shit, put on a video <laughs> in the background. That changed the world. Crazy. Yeah. Well, this CG opening did not change the world, but it caused this film to go into theaters. So I thought that was a pretty cool uh, fact that I never knew. And then uh, I think I've already told you about this after I chatted with him, but he found a videotape one day that was the film that was edited in chronological order. Yeah. And I found that fascinating because, like, they were under such intense deadlines because they were trying to take it from home video to the theater. So they had to change the aspect ratio. Everyone was scrambling because the animation had to be stepped up even more. So like the animation studios were told like, no, make it look better. Storyboard artists were under a lot of pressure because they had to make it look better than the show. They had to make it look like a movie. And then here's someone, some producer. Um, I mean, he mentioned Tom Ruger, who's one of the main producers. Ruger. But- <laughs> do you know do you know what man i'm currently uh, this is no guarantee but i'm currently chatting with tom ruger oh. on social media so he might come on here so you can't be dropping <laughs> that Hi, let me introduce here. you tom ruger i hardly know her well that's <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he called up Tom and was like, what the fuck is this? And he's like, it doesn't work, does it? He's like, no. And I was thinking that's such a time waster as well. And how bad that film would have been. One of those things where it's like you got to see it to to actually make the the decision, right? Because maybe all those, like, cuts to the past, maybe people was like, oh, it's breaking up the flow. Maybe it's not working. And someone's like, well, can we just see it going in chronological to see if that actually truly is the way this works? Like, I get why it happened. I know it's, like, in the deadline crunch, but I understand that. Yeah, I guess so. And now, and then I was interested in actually like seeing what the movie would feel like with that flow. Um, I mean, I'm not going to edit it because I ain't got time for that. But I'd be interested to see like where would it start. I guess it would start with like him meeting Andrea in the graveyard. I guess that's where the movie would start. That's like the earliest mm. flashback, and then go on from there. Yeah, I mean, interesting, but a waste of time. And the cut that we got is is the better one because obviously at least it hops around and has some action and Batman in it and we don't have to wait an hour to get to Batman. In all the graveyards and all the cities, why did you have to walk into mine? Well, he was. Uh, I, that's funny you say that because um, I mentioned to him that the Citizen Kane fact, you know, that they had something to do with the influence of the flashbacks. And he's like, that was never intentional, but I love Citizen Kane. And... Well, I'm talking about Casablanca, but... Yes, I know, but you doing that kind of tone of voice and everything made me think of Citizen Kane. What, just (laughs) old-timey? Yeah. But yeah, he said um, that was never intentional, but I'm very happy to have that comparison made because I love Citizen Kane, and I think that's a great movie. Mm, It is a great movie. Yeah, and I've Have you ever seen Citizen Kane? I've never seen it, bud. Right. 
I didn't have the heart to tell Alan that because I know, like, he's already schooling me on Hitchcock again. How he was did you go me, through three years of film school and never watch Citizen Kane? I don't know. I did. I only saw um, Casablanca recently, didn't I? Not a good film school there. Don't go to Southern Maine for film. <laughs> Ain't gonna watch no good films there. I just saw. What he... the fucking? What movies were you watching then? Uh, what movies were we watching? Um, it was a lot of like uh 80s and 70s like dramas 80s. well yeah and well more 90s actually more 90s dramas like philadelphia forrest gump um we watched Back why we watched the matrix um that's just what like mean, what someone chooses to watch on like a night like where's the film theory and all this where's the education of the history of film mate i could unravel a whole film theory with the matrix and how it has to do with like humanity and like god no, but film and... theory like 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 let's like i'm sorry i meant more history like like i understand look matrix is a revolutionary film but like did you watch like battleship potemkin because i had to watch that shit like 20 times no, we did watch... Um, Trip to the Moon? That? No, we watched Das Boot. Das Boot? Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> what? Das Boot's all right. Again, don't go to, a random... don't go to Southern Maine, folks. <laughs> Ain't gonna learn much there. A random tangent again. Oh, look, I'll quit the podcast right now. <laughs> so Me and Alan Burnett are going to start our own podcast where we talk about <laughs> old movies. And he's going to say a name that ends in the E.O. And I'm going to go, I hardly know it. And Alan's going to crack up. <laughs> and then we're going to, like, cheers a scotch at the end. And then that'll be it. That was another thing, actually. It'll be called was... Wobbler's Favor. That's the name of the show. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that. Um, that was another thing, actually, that he said that the I for engagement line that he wrote... Engagement. Never got a laugh. And I'm surprised about that. And he went to... I love that he went to cinemas and he saw... He went, like, four or five times. And it was only briefly in the, the theatres for, like, two weeks or something like that. But he loved to watch it with audience members. And that never got a laugh. And he's when he's watched it with other people... Or what, like do you think people were just too stupid being like, what, it's spelled with an I, right? Yeah, that's what he thinks. I think that's hilarious. He's like, I hope people aren't that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I wouldn't put it laugh. past people. <laughs> I mean, if they went to the University of Southern Maine to study film, they might be pretty dumb. <laughs> you know I'm joking. I hope you do. I know. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, and finally, we chatted about his uh, work on Batman, the Adventure Continues comic that he's working on with Paul Dini. They've just wrapped up on season three, and he said that this is probably the end. However, they said that last time, and if DC comes around again and wants to do a season four, he's over to it. So fingers crossed, because I think it's awesome that these two, like, titans of the DCAU, the people that, like, created these stories like mask of the phantasm and all the jokers episodes that we're going to review like it's just great that we're still getting them you know in comic book format and still getting these stories i still haven't read any of them so i really need to yeah i think you should i own them so you can always read them digitally on uh, my comicsology if you want they're they're maybe, definitely good maybe when we're on holiday i'll, I'll grab your phone or something Ooh. and i'll read them while we're laying in our shared bed together Yes, we are going to share a bed on holiday because that's how our dad <laughs> takes us on holiday. He's like, I'll take you, but you guys are splitting a, a room and sharing a I bed. kind of like it. It reminds me of being a child. <laughs> you like to snuggle with me? Yes, I like to, to fart on the sheets and then shove your head <laughs> under. 
wake you up in the middle of the night with an asthma attack because I've been smoking cigarettes because I'm on holiday, and then you panic because oh. you don't know what to do. Scared the hell out of me. I like I like just getting drunk and passing out because you end up like FaceTiming with your wife and I'm like, see ya. <laughs> and I always Swore film it. I have, many yeah, video- I have so many videos of you asleep, like on public transportation or like in a chair. Because you just so power cool. down like a robot. And that's why you've definitely got our grandmother's genes. And I think you're going to be like a 90 plus year old man because you have that ability to power down. And I think that is the superpower to life. Because someone <laughs> like me, it takes me fucking ages to fall asleep and I don't get enough sleep. Where you go, good night. I have just learned to love. <laughs> I, I, it's truly, I think the, the key to life is, is amazing sleep and how fast you get to sleep. Well, if that's the case, I'm going to be a really gross 90-year-old man because... You're going to be alone because not... everyone's going to be dead. Oh, I'll be long that's gone. so sad. I'll work myself. I'll be dead in 10 years with the way I work and eat and smoke. <laughs> I'm going to be listening to this episode when I'm 90 being like, oh, it's been 40 years <laughs> since you left us. <laughs> Your math's a bit wrong there. Well, like 60 years. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Sad. <laughs> I never learned math, but I outlived the shit out of him, that fat fuck. <laughs> So thank you, Alan, again for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to talk to you and hope to have you back in the future to talk about other episodes or just the show in general because it's always great to hear from him. Right, bud? Absolutely. All right, we're going to move on now to our only game of the day, which is Ace the Bat Sound. This is a game that we play with you, the listener. Each week, I'll play a brief music clip from the show, and you have to guess who the character is or the title of the episode that the music belongs to. The answer to each clip will be revealed in the following episode. So last week, we had this music clip. And if you still don't know, here's a clue of a voice clip from that episode. Like a hungry sea predator, Sid the Squid stretched his tentacles through the Gotham underworld. Yeah, boy, I'm on my way. Nothing's gonna stop me now. Now, bud, if I were to call you Sid the Squid, would you be able to tell me where that music is from? Uh, the man who killed Batman. 
That's right. If you didn't guess it already, that is from The Man Who Killed Batman. A great episode that I cannot wait to get to. Yeah, it's uh, who's up for Chinese. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's just one of our favorites, isn't it? All right, and here's the musical clip for next week's episode where you'll have to name the episode that the music is from. that's a musical clip that we don't hear a lot of but it's a really cool episode and you might feel a little uneasy on your feet like you're experiencing some sort of vertigo a cancelled line of dc comics vertigo (laughs) yes that's the episode you're right they did an episode about that okay it's our next topic you've got mail oh by the way this came for you an hour ago by messenger You've got mail. Thank you, Alfred. This is the segment where I take all of your podcast reviews, messages, emails, and comments and read them out on the show. So, buddy, we've had quite a few because we didn't do them last time, so I'm just going to rattle off some uh, cool comments here that we've had on TikTok. We've had Pickish Piper on TikTok who said, I binged rewatched the animated series because of you two. I was shocked about the animation style change during and after the Robin sections. I think what Pickish Piper is talking about is when they did the Batman and Robin animated adventures. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. But it's still called that. Um, yeah, I like both. Both have both have good values for different. I things. agree. I agree. Then we've got Hive Queen Jenny on TikTok. I finally started watching the animated series because of you guys. This show is so good. That's awesome. I love when we get those types of uh, comments and messages. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy that people... How are people watching it because of what? Because of the silly videos that we post? I'm guessing that, yeah, on TikTok or just, yeah, then listening to the show, listening to a review and being like, that sounds good. I should probably check that episode out. And then finally making that leap into watching it. I'm I'm guessing that's probably how it's happened or it might be completely different. Hi, Queen Jenny, if you're listening, let us know. Let us know. Then we got Clara C on TikTok. You guys remind me of the golden age of fan dubs, which I thought was really nice. That's nice. We'll give you a golden shower for this golden age. <laughs> what? I'm just going to say we're showering him in gold. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. I was waiting for you to be like, I'm going to be on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say cut that. <laughs> Mr. Marshall Sun on TikTok says, I'm taking a full ass gulp of my drink and I hear, Do you think bats had a wank on the bat computer? And there's uh-huh. a bunch of laughing faces and crying faces. Well, you'll enjoy this episode then where we also talk about Batman having a wank. <laughs> then we got Lord Timothy Dexter, genuinely the funniest people on this entire app, meaning TikTok, which I thought was really nice. It's very kind. It is very kind. Then we got the uh, Not the Only Sinner on TikTok says, I love these videos. Every time they voice over Batman, it makes me think of Matt Berry and how funny it would be if Matt Berry was Batman. And then we've got a quote here. Joker! 
You really are the most devious bastard in all of Gotham City. <laughs> Gotham City. Well, that's, as we said in previous episodes, my wife always compares me to Matt Berry. So, and I hear it. I mean, I'm not as operatic as he is, but uh, I have my moments, that's for sure. Yeah, you do. And it comes out, I guess, in your Batman, at least according to Not the Only Sinner <laughs> on TikTok. <laughs> Andrea, I don't know about you, but I'm in the mood for some sexual intercourse. <laughs> You were the phantasm the whole time? <laughs> so we got Swambo Entertainment on Instagram who said, I love this podcast group. Keep up the good work, guys. As somebody who is a fan of Batman the Animated Series, this is great. Thank you, Swambo Entertainment. Then we've got Ivan on Instagram who said, absolutely loved your Feet of Clay reviews. I actually didn't know about the gay subtext and those episodes along with the Freeze ones or the Mr. Freeze ones are my favorites. So the deeper meaning made it all the more richer. I don't know if you guys have read that One Bad Day comic for Clayface, but it was an equally poignant and heartbreaking character study with equal parts phenomenal body horror. No, I love body horror, so I would uh, I would check that out. Yeah, there was a whole series of One Bad Day comics, and I yeah. was interested for some Batman villains. I was interested in reading some of those, so I'll check that out. Then we've got the Irish Batman on Instagram. What does the Irish Batman <laughs> sound like? I am whiskey. I am potato. <laughs> I am the Irish Batman. Looks <laughs> 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 like it sounds racist, but it's not. It's probably very offensive to say that. Like, ah, they're yeah. white guys. It's fine. Yeah. It's yeah, like exactly. drinking tea and eating uh, biscuits with English people. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred, where did you put me pot of gold? <laughs> I, sir, I think you need to get down into the back game. There's some things going on in Gotham City, sir. <laughs> oh, all right. All right, Alfred. I'll be right on it. I just got to finish off this fucking bottle of Jameson. I help you out with that, sir. I haven't had my morning shot yet. Hey, Alfred, what the fuck is for supper tonight? <laughs> Potatoes is all... <laughs> 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 the Irish Batman is my new favorite Batman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Irish Batman has just instantly become my new favorite Batman. Hey, it's me, the Joker of Gotham City. <laughs> Okay, so the Irish Batman on Instagram <laughs> has said, should I do it in an Irish accent? Yeah, go on then. Okay, he said, hi guys, just wanted to say that I think your podcast is incredible. Uh, that was more Scottish, was it? Incredible. No, it's fine. Okay, I'll start over. Hi guys, I just wanted to say that I think your podcast is incredible. I've watched Batman the, Anima Batman the Animated Series all of my life, and it's so good to finally find people who appreciate for the masterpiece that it is. I that we do there, Sonny boy. <laughs> Thank you, Irish Batman. In all seriousness, that's a really yeah. lovely message. Thank you so <laughs> yes, much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Look, I mean, we're British. <laughs> yeah, Look, you yeah. can make fun of us all day. Yeah. yeah. British Batman. Yeah, I think our you know, they're our neighbours, and I think that there's always been a little like fun little jab at each other and making fun yes, of each and other. And so. loads of history of war and, and terror. But yes, well yeah, that. but that, yeah. Uh, but Irish Batman or any Irish listeners, if we've offended you, very sorry. But that was um that was not meant to be offensive, it was just funny. So <laughs> we probably lost a listener or two, but hey, bug it. <laughs> yeah, bug it. It's always worth a laugh. 
Okay, we've got Gabriel Bacal on Instagram. This is about our Mask of the Phantasm review. He said, amazing episode. Laughed and reflected a lot about my favorite Batman movie. Incredible podcast and love the work that you both do. Thank you very much, Gabriel. Thank you. Matt Baker has said in an email, listener Matt Baker, hi guys, love the show. Been listening since almost the start. One of my Baker. favorite... <laughs> I hardly know her. <laughs> you can bake the potatoes too. <laughs> that you can. When I smoke a bit of the grass on a late night, I also get baked. So Matt Baker has said, Hi guys, love the show. Been listening since almost the start. One of my favorite podcasts out there right now. I think it might be fun if you two kept a running top five of your favorite Batman the Animated Series episodes you've reviewed so far and update it on the show as you go. I know you mentioned if each episode is one of your favorites, but having a concrete list to go off week to week would be cool. What do you think? Sure. Yeah, I think that I think when we review an episode, I'd just say, is this going in your top five? And you could be like, yes or no. And I would say out of all of the episodes that we've watched my top five would be in no particular order on leather wings two face part one uh, feet of clay part two um the forgotten because i just bloody love that episode mm -hmm. so much it's good fun oh what have i got for number five i think Wait, mine, would, mine would probably just be uh on leather wings and um, both two face and clay face what like yeah but two face part one and Play part face. one and two of each. Oh, part one and two of each. Oh, okay, nice. Um, oh, I really like See No Evil right now. That could be on my oh Heart of Ice. What am I talking about? That's probably going to go on my top mm, five. That's true. Yeah, top three instead. Top five is too much. Top three. Yeah. Okay, top three. So, Under the Wings for me. Yeah. Um, Two Face Part One is so strong for me. Yeah. I love it. And and Feet of Clay Part 2. Those are my top three right now. Yeah, I'll agree with that. That's fine. We'll make it a consensual list. All right. Sounds good. Uh, thank you for writing that in, Matt. And yeah, we'll try and keep up to date on that Yes, list. thanks for more fucking work and extending this podcast, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> good day. Yes, very good. Thank you. <laughs> And then we got Adam Waters an email who's written in and said, love you guys' work. Great chemistry between you two hosts. I love how you both love Batman deeply, but in different ways. That's a good point. Do we? we do. I think we do. I think we have our both. We, we have similar ways that we love Batman, but I think I love Batman in a different way. And like, I don't know. I've just, I've loved Batman for his like, never give up spirit and he's always been like this you know dark and troubled i used to be like such a fucking more emo kid when i was younger like i didn't look emo but you know what i mean like i was like mm -hmm. oh emotions and drama and all of that like oh yeah that's how you used to be <laughs> well i love batman for a lot of those reasons where i don't think you do no i suppose not. i like more his robotic side of like my parents are dead and i'm going to focus on becoming the best i can be at what i'm doing so i respect him for that yeah yeah um so he said adam adam continues here and he says also all of your guests have been lovely kind-hearted people that, and that's really lovely to hear because i always feared that they would be stuck up and hate that they are attached to something that is often considered childish but as you guys have shown and proven it's all it's for all ages and has many different messages slash meanings behind it nothing it's really nice yeah um thank you for saying that adam and i agree all of our guests have been super nice and super kind um and that's a, I really enjoy that too because 
you know, I always worry like, oh, is this person, you know, going to kind of like want to rush this or not give us a lot? But every single guest has given us so much of their time and their their memories. It's been really nice. To, Absolutely. To have that. Give a little bit. Give a little bit of your whiskey to me, Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's offensive. um and then before we go into our little plugs here i just want to say that next up we have a special guest we have a writer of the new batman adventures and he also wrote for superman the animated series batman beyond and the justice league show so we have that coming up next week again will couldn't make that because he's a super busy boy but i sat down with this writer and had a chat so we'll do another review episode and well we'll do another special guest episode next week and then after that I will have my full chat with Kevin Ortieri because even though he had a lot to say about Feta Clay Part 2, there was lots of other things we talked about, especially what, what he wants his Batwing to look like and what he would want in the show, plus so many other cool things we talked about, talked about the strikes that are going on in California. So that will come out after that. That's just kind of like a big old director's cut of that uh, chat. Then we have probably a Kate Capers part two compilation. And this is all going on because I'm going through a move and my brother's really busy with work and we're going on holidays and I'm busy with work. So just want to, daddy's going to keep on giving you some content, something to, to munch on whilst we're busy. So we'll have those episodes coming out. There might be a week break, maybe two, I'm not sure, but we will be back to review Joker's Favor in October. Which is going to be awesome. That will definitely make the top three. That's for sure. I, I mean, I hope so. Yeah, as you said, don't want to big it up too much because it might not live up to that hype. But I can't see how it wouldn't. But wait, wait and see, I guess. And if you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to leave us a five star review on whatever you're listening to us on right now, as it helps us back grapple up the charts and attract both new listeners and guests. And if you leave a review, we might read it out in the pod at the end of each episode. And please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform of choice if you haven't yet already. Also, you can follow us on social media at Batman TAS Pod on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere but the app formerly known as Twitter, which is at Batman TAS Pod One. And that's because why? Because we are the number one Batman the Animated Series podcast. You are goddamn right. And in the description of this episode, you'll find a tip jar where you can give to any amount of money you can afford to give if you so wish. As we aren't billionaire playboy philanthropists, any amount you can afford to give us is not necessary, but always greatly appreciated. And you can follow me on socials at Chef Alex Robson. And you can follow Will on his socials to stay up to date on what he's working on now and get a glimpse into the work day of a comic book artist and writer. Will, where can our listeners find you? Anywhere on the internet at Robson Inc. And that's R-O-B-S-O-N-I-N-K. And please check out my Kickstarter going on. I have my own comic book. That's my passion project. This is the thing I live and breathe for. And I, I would really could use your support on it. So head on over to Kickstarter, search Outbreaks Issues 1 through 2. We're fully funded, but the ride's not over yet. The more funding we get, the more free stuff people get. And also, I just started doing this thing where every new comic book Wednesday, people are going to get a free comic when they sign up to my Kickstarter. So if you back my Kickstarter right now, you get a free first issue of Morsels, which is an amazing horror comic. Um, which also features a cover by Alex Cormack, the same cover artist on issue two. And then next week, I'll be giving away a free superhero comic book, which is also going on on Kickstarter. So when you back my project, you get lots of free stuff. So head on over there and get it down, baby. 
That's right. Yeah, check it out and the links in the description below. Yeah, bud, that's really cool. I didn't know that you were doing that until right now. So I I started it yesterday. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Well, that's great. Um, And then also, yeah, I know you can't say anything, but if you hit five grand, then a artist, a very well-known artist who happens to be the co-creator, one of the most popular zombie franchises in the world, will be doing a cover for you. Is that correct? That's right. They'll be doing the cover for issue three and the trade paperback of the volume one of Outbreaks. So that's like my biggest goal, right? Like, sure, Mm. hitting the six grand means I could, you know, that'd be amazing. So I can work on Outbreaks for a month by myself instead of having to work for Marvel and DC. Great, right? Like, that's the dream. But 5K is the true goal because that means I get to bring in an extremely special artist that will just elevate the book to a whole nother level and will be great for the fans of the book already. I mean, if you're a zombie fan, having this person doing the cover is going to be great. I, I'm going to love it. I mean, I, I'm making this book for me as, as the ultimate zombie fan. This is the ultimate zombie book. So, And if you don't even like zombies, it's still great anyway because it's not just your stereotypical zombie story. We're doing a bunch of cool and interesting different things. And in the future, I'll be doing stories with my brother. It should be really awesome. So if you like Batman, the animated series podcast, you will like Outbreaks. That's right. Yeah. So go check it out. All right, but it's our last category of the day, which is what you put in your holes. What are you filling deep in those holes? Uh, I'm I'm still rewatching Kirby Enthusiasm and having a great time doing that. Such a funny show. Me and too. You- and I've surpassed you now. On, you have, I'm yeah. on yours yeah so i apologize every time you go in there and it's probably skipped like 10 episodes ahead or whatever but yeah, I, also, I only watch like one or two a, a, a night so yeah I've, I've watched like seven or eight a day um it's been great i just love that show so much and it just gets funnier and funnier and smarter and wittier it's just it's one of the best shows out there every time yeah. i watch it i'm like is this the funniest show I've ever seen? Yeah, I if that's I'm the same way. You forget about it, and then when you see it again, you're like, this might be the most well put together comedy ever made because mm. the way the story threads come together, the music, just the comedy, everything is just perfect in that show. I just I just yeah. love it so much. So yeah, I've been rewatching that, and Spooky Seasoning is starting, so I'm going to be starting to watch some more spooky content but i'm also on the hitchcock train like after talking to alan burnett like I, i've been exploring hitchcock movies i've never seen as well uh, have we already talked about watching uh the man who knew too much of this podcast i can't remember we talked about it off pod but yeah i don't think we talked about it on pod so yeah right go ahead well me and my wife sat down and watched that and we both very much enjoyed it it was a fun ride and you you and i also both just watched that movie tim on netflix yeah yeah, which, which was, was uh, just you know, it's it's very you can you can guess the whole thing, yeah. you know what's going to happen. But the guy who acted as the robot did a great job, and did. Uh, you know, it's just like some, a, there is some twists and turns though, even though you might be able to see it coming, that I still appreciate it because it's not your stereotypical happy ending. Let's put it like that, right? Like it is, as you said. It's a it's a Black Mirror movie, right? Like they took a Black yeah. Mirror episode idea and turned it into an hour and a half movie or whatever. Uh, and I appreciated that. Cause Which today is like good. how long an episode of Black Mirror is. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, it's it's really predictable, but um, it's fine. Like I didn't hate it. I just 
I just me and my wife had fun because we were like, and now he's going to do this, and that's exactly what he does. And mm. oh, he's going to say this, and then they do. And I, 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 that's always funny when you say it out loud, and then the character says it. You're like, ah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was that was a, a decent watch. Um, I've recently watched the Kevin Conroy documentary that was released with Mask of the Phantasm 4K. It's called For Kevin, and it was just incredible. It was 4K. Such a yeah, it was. Um, it was half an hour. Just oh, four, four K, four Kevin. That's what I was thinking. Oh, at. that's that's clever. I like that. Ah, you're a writer. Um, yeah. yeah, I just I really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, there were bits that were sad. I even got quite teary eyed at one point because there was an amazing point that was made by Paul Dini and Eric Radomski and other people that were being interviewed on this documentary, where they said that if there is anyone that understood Batman that lived a dual life, like hid his true self mm. from people, it's Kevin Conroy. Because in the 80s, because of the AIDS epidemic and everything that was going on, if you were an actor, you just couldn't say you were gay. It just wasn't an option in New York. So to hide that side for so long, hide your true self and show people the face that you think that they want to see whilst secretly, obviously being something else that is batman right like that's bruce wayne and batman mm -hmm. and i thought yeah. that was just another layer that kevin conroy knowingly or unknowingly brought to the role that i thought was brilliant so yeah he's just the the best batman so is ever. bruce like his straight white guy voice then like hey everybody yeah. it's me kevin conroy yeah <laughs> and then when he's in the bedroom he's like now we're dealing with yeah the world. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> time to get down uh, so yeah, I, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, it was sad, but also happy, sad, and it was celebrating his his life in this role, which I thought yeah. was brilliant. So it's yeah. worth watching. Yeah, he will always be Batman for for years to come. He'll be yeah. known as Batman. So absolutely, nice. yeah. And it was interesting because I got I got quite sad, and my girlfriend was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like. I uh, I'm watching this because obviously I I love the show and I do a podcast about it, but I, for me I was sadder than I expected, which caught me off guard because we do this podcast and we review episodes and I hear Kevin Conroy's voice all the time and I'm just watching him be Batman. So to suddenly see a documentary was like a tribute to him because he's he's dead and gone. It was like a oh yeah it was a reminder of oh yeah he's sadly not with us anymore. You know, and that was a bit of a shock because I was like, I, I don't even like register when I'm doing this podcast. Every time I watch Batman, I'm not thinking that's Kevin Conroy and he's gone. I'm just thinking that's Batman that I'm watching. Right. And mm -hmm. it's just like, and you're right. He lives on forever as this character. But I was I was taken aback a bit because um, it was just, yeah, the, the, the power of that documentary shook me a bit. But it was it was great. So I recommend anyone out there to go pick it up and watch it because it's worth it. Um, and then if you got it on Apple digital they upgrade that shit for free so you're gonna oh, not only yeah. have 4k for free but you've got that documentary as well which is awesome that apple that's does that. why i buy all my movies on apple we are not sponsored by them but i got done dirty by amazon when i realized that jaws was out in 4k and i went to go look at my copy of jaws and it wasn't 4k it's still not 4k my copy of jaws so Fuck Amazon. I'm an Apple boy, baby. And that's yeah. where you can find all of my library. I've given Apple hundreds of my pounds because of that one reason. Absolutely. And then the other thing that I've been watching that I've been 
enjoying is another Batman, which is Batman 66. I've been watching that and just loving just the the fun and the color and the pulp of that that whole series. You've always enjoyed that series far more than I could ever enjoy it. It's just it's just good fun for me. And it's just another version of Batman and I quite like that. You were talking about Batman Brave and the Bold being on sale on Apple the other day and I almost bought it because I've never seen it and I like just watching different versions of Batman. I just like the character and That's... how diverse he is. So I, yeah, From I what I hear, it's, it's all right. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it's good. Uh, is there anything else that you're putting in your holes? No, I, I mean, I'm just, I'll say one thing I've been doing recently is putting on music from The Sims 1 whilst I have my morning shower and my morning, like, <laughs> cleanliness routine has uh, been really, like, uh, making me, like, get to actual work because I'm in the middle of a crazy Marvel deadline. That's why I haven't been able to come on for these podcasts and things. And I'm also in the middle of launching my Kickstarter, so I'm just yeah. so fucking busy. So putting on that Sims 1 music, like, grounds me of, like, it's like I'm just getting ready for work, and it's you know, it's great. You're just in the shower, scrubbing your bits and bobs, brushing your teeth, and you get to work. Do you make sim noises whilst you're washing your hair, like a blue data crow? That's a good one. That is that is uh, that is one that just instantly transported me back to playing that game. Very good. <laughs> Hey, Alma. Hey, Lazana. You know, <laughs> I love that. In fact, when I'm done with my deadline, um, I'm going to be playing some Sims 1 just to decompress because it will bring me right back to being a kid. And that's all I crave for these days because being adult is the worst. Yep. <laughs> Nostalgia. Bring it on. Yeah. Let me live my past. Um, that's why we do this podcast. <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, that's all the time we've got for this week. Join us next time where we'll continue talking all things Batman, the animated series. Until then, I've been Alex Robson. And I've been the Irish Batman. (laughs) And remember that we are vengeance. We are the night. We are a podcast. Potato. Toodles. Are you sweating? Are you really? Yeah, it's hot. I want it to be Halloween times. I know, me too. I want Halloween right now. Well, my wife put up some Halloween decorations today. What? It's September, mid-September. Yeah, well, she's been waiting to put them up since she bought them. She bought them like a month ago, these little uh, pumpkins from um, Hobbycraft. And the pumpkins are the same colors of our living room, which is uh, gray pink and white so she's like i have to put these out like it's way too early you cannot put those out yet but recently like last night we we were like oh it's a bit cooler and we went for like a nice walk with a dog and it was like a very (laughs) autumnal walk i was like oh i'm feeling like halloween spooky times vibe so yeah she she put it out (laughs) so that was enough for her to be like let's put out the pumpkins baby yeah why it's it's what is it september oh no it's too early yeah it's too (laughs) early but well, to be fair, I do start celebrating Christmas on like November first. So, if this is the month before for Halloween, then I guess I'm running late in that in terms of that spirit. Because I, I plan on watching a lot of spooky movies. We tried to watch Constantine last night, and it did not hold up. So that was a failure. But um, I, I think she's also open to watching the thing, 
the evil dead franchise and i'm like all right well you know those are precious to me so you can't ruin them yeah if i catch you on your phone during the thing it may be the end of our relationship (laughs) i'm really but the the thing with you though is that you celebrate the thing with me Ah. hey you celebrate too early and then you, you're done. Celebrate we will, because life is short oh but sweet God. for a certain way. I'm singing Dave Matthews, your Christ, Lord, and Savior. I thought you'd appreciate <laughs> that. Yes, but the thing is, is that you're getting, you're like, you are an 85-year-old man already. Because yeah. if I have a, sl- if I say one slight thing that reminds you of something, you go into like a whole tangent on it. And I'm like, I paused for maybe a second and you went straight into that song. That's calling the kettle black there because you are Captain Parrot. The moment you hear something, you repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Yeah, I guess so. It's just getting, it's becoming more apparent with you. I guess I'm getting a taste of my own medicine. (laughs) I'll I'll never sing Dave Matthews again in front of you. That's fine. Um, I was saying before I was rudely interrupted Mm -hmm. that you celebrate way too early and then by the time that the actual holiday comes around, you're done with it. No, like, that's in, not true. I'm never done with the holiday. I remember you saying last Christmas, you're like, I'm all Christmas out now. Like, not, I'm not feeling it anymore. I remember you saying that. Well, that's because like, I was suffering from severe depression. <laughs> <laughs> and not even Christmas could get me out of that hole. That's because companies refused to pay me for months and months and I was fucking broke. So that's why I was depressed. If you want I'm to get real about it, <laughs> glad I brought that up. <laughs> don't become a comic book creator, folks, because you will get paid and you'll get depressed. Anyway, let's start a podcast about a, a franchise that's from a comic book. Hope they got <laughs> fucking paid. I think they did. <laughs> Probably not. All right, you ready? Yep. Fuck you. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. In three, two, one.